Praise God. Well, my name's Richard, if we've not met before, and um, I've got the awesome privilege of um, helping us to look at what God is saying to us through his word um, today. That's amazing, isn't it? So um, last time I spoke, um, I reminded us of the reason we were made. Um, it's our why as a church. It's our why, why we exist as, as the whole church. We call it making Jesus famous. Um, in particular, we looked at Jesus' prayer that he prayed in John chapter 17. Um, when he said that he had received glory from the Father. He'd had glory with the Father before um, time began. And he'd received glory from the Father. And he even prayed, Father, glorify your Son. Give more glory to your Son uh, so that he can give glory to the Father. And we talked about how Jesus in, you know, just who he is in his, his very being and his mission and why he came was to put the wow of God on display in our world. That Jesus is the revelation of God. Jesus is God and he's God making himself known. And so we talked about this amazing circle of glory that kind of goes on with God and, and Jesus who is God, but God the Father and God the Son and, and we talked about how God the Father gives glory to God the Son and, and God the Son stewards that glory with his life. So he, he uses that glory, he lives that glory, he puts that glory on display and everyone goes, wow, isn't God amazing? Because Jesus says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And so that was the purpose of Jesus' life. But then we, in looking at that prayer in John chapter 17, discovered that Jesus actually brings us into that circle of glory. So he says, I tell you what, why don't you come and you receive some of the glory that the Father gave to me so that you can give glory to me and I can give glory to the Father. And so he makes us part of that circle. And so even as God spoke to us this morning, in our time of worship for a prophetic word that Joseph brought. And he said, you know, this is actually what I want for you. I want you to be where I am. And Jesus actually prayed that in John 17. He said, Father, I want them to see the glory. I want them to see me in all of my glory. I want them to be with me. And, and of course, the Bible tells us, as we refer to, that we are seated now with Christ in heavenly places because he's bringing us into that circle of glory. So the purpose of God for your life, I love that testimony that we heard this morning. You know, it doesn't matter what my background, my human background was. It doesn't matter all the horrific stuff that, that may have happened to me in the past. The truth is, I was made to be part of this amazing circle of glory that's going on in God. That's why I was really made... I mean, people may have told me I was an accident. People may have told me that I was the, the product of something going horribly wrong in life, that I was a mistake. People may have said all kinds of things over my life, but the truth is, the truth is, I was made for the glory of God. I was made to be part of this amazing circle of the wow of God Almighty. So today we're going to look, as promised, at one particular aspect. Remember we said that several times between now and Christmas, we'll look at various different ways that God wants to manifest glory in our lives so that we can bring glory to him, so that we can make Jesus famous. And today we're going to look at how we can make Jesus famous through healing. Now, 
Most of you will be aware of the story, at least have heard of it, even if you haven't read it, of of one of Jesus' most popular miracles. It was the first miracle that Jesus did. He went to a wedding and the the wine ran out uh, and, and there was just water left. And, you know, as well as being a problem for those people who rather liked wine, it was a huge problem for the, the host of that wedding banquet, the shame that, that it would have brought on him. And, and Jesus' mom comes along and she says, it's all right, Jesus is here. And Jesus says, look, it's not my time yet. But she persists. And so Jesus tells them what to do and they turn the water, they pour out the water and it's turned into wine. And this is what it says in John chapter 2 and verse 11. It says, what Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee. You know, we miss that because we think Cana of Galilee, ooh, biblical, religious. But actually, this was just an ordinary place. It's a bit like saying in Presswich, or in Burnage, or in Stockport, or in Wivenshaw, or down the road from where you live. What Jesus did here in an ordinary place was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. You see, the supernatural, a sign, a wonder, something that was not humanly possible, suddenly in that moment, by doing the impossible, by moving in the supernatural, turning water into wine, Jesus revealed, he unveiled, he took the cover off of something of the glory that God had given him. He said, look, here's the wow of God. Isn't that amazing? The supernatural and the miraculous reveal the glory of God. In Acts 2, 22, Peter is preaching. Um, the Holy Spirit has come at Pentecost. Everyone's been bewildered and amazed. And they're like, what's going on here? And in Acts 2, 22, Uh, Peter says this as part of his message. He says, fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him as you yourselves know. This man, Jesus, this man was accredited to you by God. God put his stamp of approval on him. God said, this is my man. This is my messenger. This is my representative. How did he do that? Through wonders, miracles, signs. Signs that said, this is not just a man with some good ideas. This is not just a moral philosopher. This is someone who genuinely represents something bigger, something higher Something beyond your experience. You know, there is definitely a really very important place in your sharing of the gospel, the good news of God's kingdom breaking into our world. There is a really important place for your human story. For the reality of your life, for the challenges that you face, for the tough times. For the brokenness, for the things you've had to overcome, the things you've had to go through. Because your story of hope and holding on and believing in something that is still yet to come in the midst of tough and challenging times is really, really relevant and it's powerful. And it has the power to change lives when people believe in the truth of that gospel. 
It's amazing. And that, that gospel is in itself supernatural. So you're, the humanity, the, the challenge, the reality, the earthiness of your story is really, really powerful. And it has a, a really vital place in your sharing of the gospel. Yes. But so does the supernatural. Because miracles, wonders and signs, they point towards something bigger, something better, something that is to come. And that Jesus said you can begin to experience in the here and now. It makes it clear that we're not just offering a different way of life. That we're not just saying to people around us, you know what, I've come to have this particular philosophy, to follow this particular religious teaching, and it makes me feel better about all the bad stuff. We're not just offering them a way to think differently, to have a different outlook on life. We're offering a real person, a real God. A wonderful, loving, just, kind, merciful, powerful God who is able to make everything right in our world. It makes it clear that we are talking about a real God who is awesome and powerful, a truly glorious God. A God who is worthy of our wow Now, healing is not the only form of the miraculous. Of course it's not. But it is, nevertheless, a really prominent one in the gospel accounts of Jesus' life. You can't read your gospels without finding Jesus healing people almost at every turn of the page. And of course that carries on in the life of the early church. That we read consistently about people being healed as they encounter God's power... Heavenly realities breaking out from heaven, from that yet-to-come time, and actually invading our world in the here and in the now. Healing does not do away with our need to share the truth of the gospel and explain what Jesus has done. How many of you maybe have seen someone actually experience healing even either in their own life or in the life of a friend or relative and you've, you were like, yeah, you know, fantastic, they are definitely going to give their life to Jesus now. And then you're like, what? You've just seen that? You've just experienced that and you're still not becoming a Christian? There's a need for more. People need to understand the truth. But these are signs and they are wonders that catch people's attention. That validate, if you like, that underline, that draw attention to the truth. You see, the truth is this, that we were made for a relationship with God. To know him as our father. That as we've heard this morning, whatever our background, however good or bad our human fathers were, our human parents were, that ultimately we have a father in heaven. Who created us and made us to partner with him to make this world the way he wants it to be. Because this world will be best when God is in charge. We call it his kingdom, his rule, his authority. Things being the way that God wants them to be. And we rejected that. We were made to be a part of that. We were made to fill the earth with that. And yet we rejected it and we said we'll go our own way and we'll do our own thing. Some of you have heard this a few times. I'm hoping that you'll remember it if I say it often enough. 
that actually we, we threw that away. We said, we'll live life our own way. We'll do our own thing. We'll, we'll be in charge of our own lives. And every one of us has done that. Every one of us did that one way or another, consciously or otherwise. We were living our own life, doing our own thing. And the Bible calls it sin. The rejection of God's way. Because if you're not consciously pointing your life towards God, if you're not consciously laying down your life saying, my life is built by you, it's for you. Everything I do is for you. I'm serving you and your purpose. If you're not consciously doing that, then you're serving your own purpose. And it's a rejection of who God really is. But God wanted us restored to that relationship with him where we would live our lives for what we were made for. So he sent Jesus to show us who he is. And to say, I'm calling you back to myself. And Jesus longed for us so much that he laid down his life on a cross. And he paid the price in his crucifixion for our rejection of God's plan and purpose for our lives. And he said, if you will only come to me, if you will accept what I have done for you, and if you will give your life, if you will point your life towards me, if you'll turn away from going your own way and doing your own thing, and if you'll lay your life down in worship and say, it's all for you, then what I have done on the cross for you will take effect in your life and you'll be set free from that life. And you'll begin a new life in me. And do you know what? I will come and I will live with you. And I will fill you with myself. And I'll pour out my glory in your life. So that you can do what you were always supposed to do. To fill the world with the glory and the goodness of God. And I will take what was broken and what was going its own way and doing its own thing. And I will turn it around completely. And bit by bit, I will build something spectacular out of your life. That people will see something of me even through you. What an amazing gospel. By the way, if you're visiting us this morning, you've heard that for the first time or maybe the umpteenth time, but you've never really responded to it right now. In this place, in the stillness of your own heart, you can say, Father, forgive me for living life my own way. God, I believe that Jesus came and died for me. I ask you to forgive me for living life my own way. I want to put my life in your hands. I want to live this life that I've just heard spoken about. And I ask you to come and to fill me with yourself. And to begin that work of transformation in my life. And if you prayed that in that moment, we'd love to talk with you afterwards. We'd love to help you on your journey. But you know, Jesus intended healing to be a part of that message. Why? Because that message, if you remember, revolves around God's kingdom. Everything being the way he wants it to be. To fill the whole earth. And the Bible teaches us that we will see the full reality of that when Jesus comes again. But it teaches us that in the meantime, we're supposed to take hold of that sure and certain future and pull it from the future into the now. Because that's what Jesus did. He said, this kingdom, this rule, all this goodness, all this amazing truth of who God is, his justice, his righteousness, his, his healing, his generosity, everything about him, it's coming into our world now. And that's our message, that people can be set free from everything that went wrong in the world and that they can be part of the kingdom in the here and now. And sickness is in our world because of our sin. Now hear me right, I am not saying that if you're sick it's because you did something wrong. I'm saying that it was because we rejected God's perfect order for our creation that bad things started happening in our world. 
So I'm not saying it's your individual sin. I'm saying it's because of humanity's sin that there is sickness in the world. But Jesus dealt with our sin at the cross. And therefore, sickness is dealt with at the cross. Sickness is dealt with. Jesus has overcome everything. The Bible tells us the reason Jesus came into our world was to destroy the work of the devil. To destroy everything that's broken and wrong in our world. He wants to see justice. He wants to see righteousness. He wants to see mercy. He wants to see compassion. He wants to see us living holy lives that shine with his goodness and glory. And as part of all of that, he wants us to demonstrate his power over sickness and disease. That's why Matthew 10 and Luke chapter 10, you can read about it. Jesus called his disciples and he gave them authority. And he said, now you go and you heal the sick. And you raise the dead and you cleanse the leper. You reach out to the marginalized and oppressed in society. And he said, you do this as you do it. You proclaim God's kingdom is here and now. God's rule, God's dominion is coming into our world now. So show them and then explain it to them. Now, in Matthew 28, Jesus said something that many of us remember. He said to his disciples... Now go into all the world and preach this gospel. And he said, baptize the people you reach in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And he said this, he said, teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. Well, what did he command them? He said, you go and you heal the sick and you raise the dead and you cleanse the leper. And you tell them, look, the kingdom of God is coming into our world. And then he said, teach all the people that you're going to reach. That's us, folks. Teach them to obey everything that I've commanded you. This is for us. Now some of us, we start to freak out at this point. Because we think, oh my goodness. This is really scary stuff. Making Jesus famous through, through healing. Like I've got to go and heal people. That, you know, I, I, it's scary stuff. Uh, and maybe that's just not your personality type. Because like, you know, you're not really convinced about raising your hands in worship. Let alone um, putting your hand on someone in the workplace and saying, be healed in Jesus' name. And, and so it's like, oh, scary stuff. By the way, you don't have to do that voice. <laughs> Some of us think we do. It's like you have to shake a bit. And like, it's like, you know, you know that healing's to do with authority, so I've got to sound scary now. As if the devil's going to be scared of your scary voice. <laughs> It's like, it's funny, really, when you stop and think about it, isn't it? It's like, you know, I've got to try and intimidate the devil with my scariest voice. And if I shake a bit, he might run away. Um, it's not like that at all, folks. It's not like that at all. But, but even worse than some of us kind of being scared and, and freaked out and, and, and intimidated by the situation, I think probably what's more of a problem is that, that some of us have just switched off. Because we're not against the idea of what I'm saying. We're like, yeah, Christians should do that. But it's like, yeah, Christians should do that. And my gift is like, I don't know, my, my gift is sweeping up. That, that's what I do for the glory of Jesus. Now that you might do that for the glory of Jesus, and that's fantastic. But there's a problem with that. You can do that as well. And actually, I would, I would venture to suggest that all of us could sweep up for the glory of Jesus. Um, you know, don't, don't ever say, you know, it's not my gift. If there's something on the floor, pick it up. Anyway, I don't know how I got into that. <laughs> but actually, the, the problem is this, that at Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came and Peter was explaining what was going on there, 
he actually said that this promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. So when Peter was explaining the outpouring of the supernatural person and presence and power of God himself into people that was happening in a pretty spectacular way. He said, this promise for being clothed with power from on high, to use other words that he used at the end of Luke's gospel, being clothed with power from on high, he said, this promise is actually for every Christian, for all whom the Lord our God will call. So none of us can write ourselves out of this. The supernatural is for everyone, so please switch back on. If you've switched off, if you thought, yeah, yeah, all very good, brother, but actually, um, I'm really glad that you're preaching to those people that need to hear it. No, you need to hear it. You need to hear it, because God wants to do amazing things. Now, of course, there there are people in the church that move in some gifts more prolifically than others. That's okay. There are certain people that have learned to use certain gifts or that God chooses to use in a certain way and we're not all the same and we have a diversity of gifts. That's absolutely fine. But none of us can say, God will never use me in that way. Because that's just not biblical. God can use all of us on different occasions however he chooses to use us. And we want to be ready for God to choose to use us to demonstrate the good news of his kingdom coming into our world. And remember, this is not about you manufacturing something out of nothing. This is not about you saying, oh my goodness, I've got to learn how to heal the sick. As if somehow you're suddenly going to discover some hidden secret, some Gnostic knowledge where where suddenly you've discovered the key to heal. It's not about you manufacturing something at all. Perhaps um, I could illustrate um, this point. Um, Mike, would you mind... Just coming out, and you can stand up here. Uh, Bernadette, could you just come forward, and you can stand over here. Um, Actually, can you just hold that for me a second? Thank you. Um, Oh, Mike, you're looking very sad. Do, Do you think Mike looks sad today? Mike, what's wrong? Just going through some hard times at the moment. Going through some hard times. What, what, what's particularly wrong? Don't milk it. <laughs> <laughs> um, just right now, I'm really struggling with money. Like, I need a tenner at the moment. A tenner? You need ten pounds. Oh, well, look, here's a Christian. Here's a Christian. But would you mind just, like, I'm sure God wants to use you. Could, could, do, you do you have ten pounds that you could give to Mike? No, you don't. Really, you don't, do you? <laughs> you don't have... It doesn't look like you have ten pounds on you at all. No, no, you haven't got ten pounds. So, sorry, Mike, off you go. Um, Bernadette, would you mind just turning to Acts chapter 3? Oh, what have you got there, Bernadette? (laughs) It's going so smoothly. (laughs) Oh, is there anyone you want to call back? I want to call back Mike. Oh, come back, Mike. 
Do you feel like all your knees have been met? Yeah. That's it, thanks. <laughs> Bernadette, maybe you could read for us Acts chapter 3, verses 1 to 8. Okay. So one day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Be- Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him up by the right hand, he helped him up and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. You see, the thing was, um, Peter and John knew what they had. In my oh-so-powerful illustration, um, Bernadette didn't know what she had. And so when she was presented with Mike, who had a need, she was sad because she thought, I wish I could help Mike. I wish I could. He looked so forlorn and downcast. Um, I wish I could meet. But, but what could I do to help him? So she sent him away. But then she discovered that actually all along she was holding in her hands the solution for his problem. Now, that £10 didn't come from Bernadette because she didn't have any money, did she? (laughs) It didn't come from her, but she was able to give away what she'd been given. She was able to give away what she'd been given. So this is the problem, isn't it? We just don't believe that we have anything to give. We just don't actually believe that we've been given something to give away. Because I'm pretty sure that if we're holding the answer to someone's real need in our hands, then we don't want to withhold it from them. So the problem is, do we really believe what Jesus has given us? Because in John 14 verse 12, Jesus said this, Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing. And they will do even greater things than these. Because I am going to the Father. Now Jesus made it very clear. The reason he went to the Father was so that he could pour out the Holy Spirit in our lives. So you have to believe that Jesus has actually poured out the Holy Spirit in your life. And given you authority and given you the anointing. You know sometimes we do things in churches don't we? We have services and and ways of doing things. and, And sometimes... Sometimes we call it setting in or recognizing or in the traditional church they call it ordaining. We, we pray for people, we commission them, we ordain them, we pray for the anointing of God. But do you know the most important ordination that ever happens for any Christian is when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and ordains you for what every single Christian is called to and that is making Jesus famous. The Holy Spirit comes on you and that is God's seal of approval on your life. That's God giving you authority 
And that's God giving you empowerment to enable you to use his authority. You see, we freak out because we think, I've got to pray for healing for someone. How am I going to heal them? What if I get it wrong? But actually, it's about believing that he's already given me something. He has done it all. I'm just moving in what he has made possible. We have to believe in what Jesus has accomplished. But I guess the next objection, when you think about 5 to 11 tomorrow morning, and if your 5 to 11 tomorrow happens to include someone saying, do you know what, my family member is really sick, or I'm really sick, or I'm just feeling really down, or I've been struggling with this. The next objection we we tend to raise is, well, what if they don't get healed? I mean, how does it bring glory to God? If I pray for them in front of everyone, maybe, and then they don't get healed. Anyone relate to that, that kind of fear of what if it doesn't happen? You know, one or two of you are really honest and the rest of you are not. <laughs> Repent. Can anyone relate to that fear of what if it doesn't happen? Oh, a bit more honesty working its way into the church. Praise God. Most of us would probably manage to get over the awkwardness of saying, can I pray for you? I'm a Christian. You know that, that kind of those words that maybe you've kind of rehearsed in your mind. I'm a Christian and I believe that Jesus heals people. And most of us would probably get over that feeling of awkwardness and embarrassment if we 100% believed that it was absolutely certain that the person would get healed the moment we laid hands on them. If you like really believed in your heart that, that the minute you touch them, they're going to be like, whoa, it's like electricity went from my body and they leapt up and they started leaping and praising God and saying, glory to Jesus, everybody, come and get healed now. If you really believed that was going to happen, you'd probably get over the awkwardness of the situation. But sometimes we just get crippled with fear. So at this point in my message, I shared a story about someone that I called for the sake of this message, Sally, real person but different name. And um, I basically shared how I prayed for Sally. Sally's someone who is not a Christian, who I meet on a fairly regular basis. And on one occasion, I prayed for her for something probably fairly minor, and she experienced healing. I was so encouraged. Um, it, was, it was, you know, really made me gain in confidence. And then on another occasion when she shared with me about something more major going on, I really went for it again. But this time, um, Sally wasn't healed. And so I shared about how difficult that was, and you can pick up the story from here. I was so gutted. So good to see you're used to the preacher telling the story of how they got healed, aren't you? You know, because the preacher, every time they pray for someone to be healed, it's like their testimonies always result in healing. And it's just the rest of us that have those times when it didn't happen. But you know, that's my reality too. That's my reality too. I have to, just like the rest of you, push through all of us in the leadership team, just like the rest of you, have to push through those times when we're absolutely gutted. Absolutely gutted. I'd gone out on a limb. Everything was going well. It was like my testimony or witness was building. It's like I'd you know, moved in the minor thing and, and now I was stepping out and I don't know. What happened? Why? 
And do you know what? I was, I was, I, it all went through my mind. I was like, she is never going to want to talk to me again. She's just like not going to be able to look me in the eye. How do, I, how do I ever say anything again? Maybe she'll just avoid me. Maybe she'll think that all this stuff about Jesus healing was just a fairy tale after all. This is the nightmare scenario, right? What if I pray and they don't get healed? I don't know where Sally is right now on the scale of what she does and doesn't believe. But I do know this. She's chosen to keep talking to me. She could easily have avoided me, but she's still talking to me. And I know that I'm still praying. I'm still praying and believing for her. I've told her that I'm praying for her. And she actually seems genuinely pleased that I'm still praying for her. You know, I thought she'd never want to hear the words pray come out of my mouth ever again. But she's actually really pleased and finding comfort in the fact that I'm praying for her. I pray that I will have more opportunities to talk with her about the gospel, about the amazing hope, about the amazing reality, the sure and certain hope that one day, definitely nothing of that kind of thing will ever happen ever again because we will know the fullness But I pray that I will go on having opportunities to show glimpses of that reality in the here and now. And I pray, God, help me not to abandon the truth. Not to abandon the truth of who you are and what you've done and what you've made possible. Because the word of God tells me that Jesus has done everything that is necessary. It is finished. We've sung it. We've proclaimed it this morning. He has overcome the world. You know what Jesus said right before he said those words that we've sung a lot this morning? He said, in this world you're going to have trouble. But take heart because I have overcome the world. And so I'm going to go on believing that God wants to use me in healing. And I had a time when I stepped out, and by the way, it's not the only one. I had a time when I stepped out and it didn't happen. But some of you, you never try because you're so afraid of what if it doesn't work. And do you know what? I can't promise you that you'll never have that moment. I cannot promise you that you will never have the moment when you step out in faith and seemingly you don't understand why you don't have any answers. You've not got, oh, we'll turn to page whatever and it's got the clever little answer for that situation. And sometimes you're just gutted with them. And sometimes you feel their pain and sometimes you cry together. But you still keep talking about the hope that you have. And you don't abandon the hope that you have. And you don't abandon the truth. And you don't say, well, maybe sometimes God wants to heal. And maybe sometimes God doesn't want to heal. He wants people whole. He wants people healed. Jesus would not have given his life on the cross if he didn't want people totally rescued. To to suggest that Jesus kind of gave his life for that, but then is indifferent about whether we receive all the benefits of that, that doesn't make sense at all. He gave his life so that we could be forgiven, so that we could be rescued, so that we could know the fullness of his kingdom. And so we will keep on proclaiming that truth. I've prayed for people and they've not been healed. Can I still believe in the Jesus who heals? Absolutely. Can I still believe that he's given me authority to heal the sick? Absolutely. Can I explain why it doesn't happen every time? No, I can't. I can't give you answers for that, but I can tell you with absolute certainty that it is his will and his purpose and his desire for your life. 
man, I want to keep growing. I want to keep getting stronger. I want to keep growing in my faith and seeing more and more of this reality. You see, nothing has changed. Nothing has changed through that experience because everything beforehand depended on what Jesus has done. And everything now depends on what Jesus has done. It's all entirely about Jesus and what he has made possible. I have to keep believing that Jesus has destroyed the work of the enemy and that he's therefore given me authority to heal the sick. You don't have to manufacture anything. You just have to be willing to step out. You have to believe that Jesus has done it all, that he's given you authority and that you can step out. That's all you have to do. You have to have the courage and the confidence to say, I will use, I believe that you have given me something. It's not the way I speak. It's not the way I pray. It's not the technique I use. It's about what you have done on the cross. And I believe that you gave your life so that we could know the reality of your kingdom, so that everyone could see the wow of God. And I am not willing to put this light under a bowl anymore. But I would do all that it takes using every opportunity that you give me to let this light shine. Jesus has given us something amazing. We just have to believe it. We have to believe in what he's given us and we have to offer it back to him. And that truth of what he's given you includes authority to heal the sick. To pray, maybe when they're not there and you tell them I'm going to pray for you, and, and sometimes you get told off for that and you get told, no, you should be praying for them there and then. But if that's where you're at, then at least start there. But maybe sometimes you are going to grow in confidence and you're going to say, do you know what, I'd just love to pray with you here and now. Could we just stand together and pray? Father, I pray that you would just help us just to let go of that fear of being who we really are. And we just want to accept again your truth spoken over our lives that we were made to make Jesus famous. That we have chosen to leave behind our old lives that were centered on us and our lives are completely in your hands. And we say yes to you bringing glory to yourself through our lives. And we believe in what you've done, Lord Jesus. And we believe that healing is a part of that. We receive your word that you've spoken prophetically over us as a community that will be a center of healing in our city. And so we say, Lord, help us. Holy Spirit, come afresh and remind us of the truth of what we have. Holy Spirit, you said that you would lead us into all truth. You said you'd remind us of the things that Jesus had made possible in our lives. So come and do that right now, Holy Spirit. Remind us of what Jesus has made possible. Let that be a revelation in our hearts that we would believe it with all that we are. That we would believe in what you have made possible and the authority that you've given us. And give us boldness. Grant your servants great boldness, Lord. Great boldness. 
that Lord, in the situations that we encounter in our lives, that we will have the boldness to say, I'm going to pray for you because I believe that God is bringing good things into our world and that Jesus has made that possible. And so now in the name of Jesus, for all who believe and receive this word over your life, I commission you in the name of Jesus to heal the sick in Jesus' name. To heal the sick in Jesus' name out of love and compassion and mercy, out of a desire to proclaim the good news of who Jesus is and what he's made possible in our world. As an ambassador of Jesus Christ, as someone created to make Jesus famous, I commission you, go and heal the sick in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 God bless you.